This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Moving that much closer to 100 episodes. Hello, everyone. It is Scoop Podcast episode number 88 being taped on Tuesday, the 8th of August in the afternoon. We have a conversation with NBA free agent Alan Anderson, the Minneapolis native. We also talk with Gable Stevenson of Apple Valley High School, the number one wrestler in the country in the class of 2018. He is a Gophers commitment. He just got back from Finland. He won yet another world title. This one had an extra bit of significance. Plus, we catch up with Twins Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. But we start with Sam Mitchell. We've been trying to track down Sam for the better part of over a month. Want to get his take on the Wiggins, Kyrie Irving talk, Jimmy Butler, Zach Levine, all sorts of different things we can catch up with Sam on. I know his voice is a bit under the weather just from coaching over the weekend at Adidas Nations in Houston. By the way, the Wolves had three front office personnel down in Houston, including general manager Scott Layden. So we can ask Sam if he happened to run into Scott Layden, who was part of letting Sam go. But anyway, well, not really. That was more Glenn Taylor. But he did reach out to Sam at some point to say, hey, thanks for your time. We wish you nothing but the best. I'm not quite sure that we've had Sam on the podcast before where he's talked about this. I'm not quite sure Sam was real receptive to the call, but Scott Layden did reach out to Sam at some point. So I don't know if they're cordial or not. So we can ask Sam if he did run into Scott Layden or happened to see him, if they caught up, if they didn't catch up. But anyway, our schedules have been all over the place. As I've said, if somebody wants to hire me to do podcasting full time, I'm all yours. Otherwise, I have other work duties, personal commitments, and so on. Plus, Sam has been busy coaching a bunch of different AAU teams, helping out at some different clinics, doing his NBA TV work. So it's been hard to match up our schedules. But it's always good to talk with the former NBA Coach of the Year, former Raptors head coach, former Wolves interim coach, former Wolves player, longtime NBA player, has lots of NBA knowledge, lots of basketball knowledge. It's always fun to catch up with Sam Mitchell. So here is Sam. But first, the sponsor of Scoop Podcast episode 88. They've been on board for a number of episodes. Vine Park Brewery, right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul. Online, vinepark.com. On Twitter, at vine underscore park underscore brew. They are on West 7th in between 35E and downtown Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on their equipment with their help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. You brew your own beer or wine, you take it home in 22-ounce bottles. I talked on Scoop Podcast episode 87 about the wife and I a couple weekends ago enjoying one of their Pilsner's. They had it in the growler, went over there. We did a portion of one of the recent Scoop podcasts over there. Ended up taking home a growler so you can go in and pick up some beer. You can pick up their root beer if you're not into the alcohol. But if you're into making your own wine, that's not typical here in the Twin Cities. That's something that makes Vine Park stick out, certainly. Give them a try. Vinepark.com for more information or call them 651-228-1355. Owner Andy 
is as nice as it gets. Really good guy to chat with. Sam, always good to catch up. Let's start with where you were just a couple days ago, the Adidas Nations. I mean, you're still busy coaching. We don't always necessarily know where you're coaching, but you're still doing a lot of coaching, aren't you? Well, I'm doing as much as I can. Do uh, try to keep myself busy. I love coaching, and Adidas has afforded me the opportunity to summer to work with some of the most talented <clears throat> young men out there. And as you can tell by my voice, mm-hmm. uh, we just came back from Houston for a five-day camp, and man, it was a great camp. <clears throat> we had teams there from Australia, Europe, Africa, uh, Canada just from everywhere and uh, a lot of U.S. teams and had this huge round-robin tournament and the kids that are going to be upcoming seniors, Zion Williams class, as a matter of fact, he was on my team and uh, we won the championship game against Asia Pacific. Uh, the young man who plays in Milwaukee, uh, I can't recall his name right now, the center, Don Maker, mm-hmm. his brother and cousin played on that team, the Asia-Pacific team, and those two guys, look out, Doogie, in another couple of years, you're going to hear about Thon Maker, nephew, and uh, and his brother. They are outstanding, uh, young, talented men. They can put it on the floor, they can shoot it, and they are long like here. So this was a tough tournament, but uh, the U.S. kids uh, prevailed, and uh, it was just a fun time and a learning time. I've read a lot about Zion Williamson. He's a kid from South Carolina. I mean, he will be a high He's pick. He's a real in, deal, Doogie. Yeah, I mean, he'll be a high pick in, what, the 2019 Doogie. draft. He's the real deal. Yeah, he'll be the first I mean, pick, you actually. You say high yeah. pick? Yeah, he'll be the first, yeah. Yeah, he's got a chance to be number one in his class. He really does. He is – He is. A, can you imagine a guy with Mark Aguirre body, right? Mm-hmm. But with Charles Barkley, explosive jump and ability when he first came in the league. But with, but with the quickness of Dominique Wilkins. Oh come on! I'm not. I'm not lying, dude. He's quick off the dribble like Dominic. He has a body like Mark Aguirre, and he is just powerful, man. He is just, and he has a soft touch. This kid probably shot seventy percent for the tournament in the six games. Jeez, and I heard he wasn't even healthy. He wasn't one hundred percent healthy. <laughs> well. I hate to see it when he's 100%. I'll tell you what, he was awesome. Wow, geez. Well, that's great, Sam. Where else Where else have you coached over the last handful of months? Weren't you coaching over in Italy at one of those events? Well, that's the same team. I had those kids. Okay. Took them to Treviso also. So I've kind of been with those kids. And it's been uh, – we've had some guys that, that come can complete the whole summer. But for the most part, we've tried to keep a certain core team of guys together and so I've had them in uh, Santa Barbara, Italy, and then we just finished up in Houston. I mean, you still have a strong passion for coaching, don't you, Sam? The hope still is, at some point, is it being a head coach at the college level? College, NBA, Duke, I just enjoy it. And every opportunity, I'm leaving Thursday, uh, <clears throat> going down to the Virgin Islands. We start training uh, for uh, the Tournament of Americas in Argentina. So <laughs> my summer has been busy coaching, and I'm having fun doing it, and I'm looking forward to the Virgin Island team. If, and if we can can qualify, Doogie, that's the next step for us to qualify for the Olympics. Was that the team you were trying to get Jordan Murphy from the Gophers on? Yes, we are, and, and right now we're waiting to hear from him. Uh, we've had some early reports that he was going to play, and so we're just trying to confirm or you know verify everything, but 
Hopefully we can get him uh, in the fold, and if he can play, it definitely will help our chances of qualifying. Yeah, he's a good player. Have you had a chance to talk to him? Well, I haven't spoken to him, but the uh, president of Federation, Virgin Islands Federation, has spoken with him, been in constant contact with him and his mother. And uh, I'm leaving Thursday down there, and so hopefully I'll know something by Thursday or Friday if he's going to be available. Is the Virgin Islands gig, is that is that through Milt Newton? Did Milt Newton set you up with that job? Initially, Milt asked me my first year back in Minnesota with Flip. And Milt asked me would I do it, and I met with uh, <clears throat> Ronnie Richards, the president of the Federation, and uh, he asked me for a three-year commitment. And the first year we played in the Central, I think it was called a Caribbean Championship, we won the goal, and then last summer, we played in uh, Panama in the Central American Tournament, and we qualified to get, for the opportunity to play in the Tournament of Americas. And you know what? Speaking of of Milt, I don't know if this news is official, Sam, but he'll be the Bucks' assistant general manager. How how happy are you for Milt? Oh, it's outstanding opportunity for Milt. It, it's it's uh, about time someone realized Milt's a smart guy. Uh, it's a great opportunity for Milt, uh, Milwaukee and Milt. Milwaukee's getting a, a good guy, a smart guy, and Milwaukee's on the right path, and we know how good <clears throat> that team can be one day, and Milt just going to help bring more stability and find them key players that can help that team grow because, you know, they have the potential one day to contend for these. I like them a lot, yeah. I mean, with the Greek freak, I mean, that seems like it is a good situation. Heck, I mean, anybody in the East, right? I mean, you look at the West, Sam, it is so stacked. Being in the East isn't a bad thing right now. No, it's not, Dugan. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just weird how to have things to ever for the NBA goals. But I remember the years when the East was just strong. Mm-hmm. You had the Celtics and the Pistons and the Bulls and the Hawks. And, I mean, people forget the Atlanta Hawks were winning 52 to 55 games a year, and they were finishing fourth to fifth in the Eastern Conference. So the East used to just be a barren now. Uh, the West is like that. So it's going to be interesting from the standpoint of the Eastern Conference this year, the three or four teams that emerge as playoff teams uh, and and, and who get left out. I mean, one other thing that will change the landscape in the West is I do think a Kyrie Irving trade, Sam, is inevitable. It's a matter of when, not if. I just don't think he starts the year with the Cavs, so maybe it's next month, maybe it's early October, but I think he's going somewhere. Now I think he might end up in Phoenix, but maybe ends up in Denver. Who knows? Maybe ends up here in Minnesota, but there probably is a decent chance that Kyrie Irving ends up somewhere in the West. Do you agree? Well, yeah, but as long as they have LeBron James in that crew, and I would imagine if Kyrie is traded, they're going to get something back of value Mm -hmm. that can help them win this year because uh, people can say what they want to say, but until he actually says he's leaving, and you're Cleveland, you got to hold out hope that you can keep LeBron James home with more than just basketball, but his commitment to Akron and his commitment to Ohio. And if I was the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, I would pull out all stops. I would, hey, I would have the whole state of Ohio write LeBron a, a letter saying, don't go, because we've seen when, when he came back to that state just how galvanized it was and, and, and what a good story it was. And winning the championship and being the three consecutive finals, I know they would love to keep him home. <clears throat> also, if you were Dan Gilbert, would you reach out to Glenn Taylor and say, okay, Glenn, give us Andrew Wiggins. We'll give you Kyrie Irving. You give us Andrew Wiggins. Let's make the money work. Let's make this trade happen. Would you do that? Well, look, I do good luck. 
you know what I think of Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I think the world of Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving is a top ten pick, a top ten talent, a top ten player in this league right now. But but Duke, I think Andrew Wiggins is going to be a top ten, top fifteen player. And I think Andrew Wiggins is a top fifty player in the NBA right now after his third year. That's how much I I respect and like what Andrew Wiggins can do. And you remember, Duke, you guys questioned me when I played him at the two guard. Mm-hmm. Remember? Oh, coach, and now all of a sudden I see <laughs> that they list him as the starting two guard. It's amazing, isn't it? It just makes me – I just chuckle sometimes when how critical you guys were in the media of me playing him at the two, but now all of a sudden he's materialized into this this, this dynamic young two guard. And think about this, Doogie. <clears throat> For all the criticism that we got with, with the things that we did with those kids, with me playing Zach Levine, got a lot of heat for playing Zach Levine at the one. Even mm-hmm. Zach used to come in my office, Duke. I used to laugh and, and and basically cry on my shoulder that how tough playing the point guard position was. But I used to tell him all the time, if we're not going to make the playoffs, my job is to make sure that you and this organization is path is set to ascend. And by playing you at the one, even if you don't pan out as a point guard, it's going to make you that much better of a two-guard. It's going to make you more uh, efficient with the basketball, uh, decision-making, running, picking rolls. And so my vision of the Wolves was having multiple guys at the time, and, and the thought process was having Ricky that would have – think about this, Doogie. When you can have Ricky Rubio, Zach Levine, and Andrew Wiggins, all three of those guys, very good in the pick-and-roll, it makes you very difficult to defend because most teams – Every team knows that they have to defend the pick and roll with the point guard. And then there are teams out there that, you know, have the two guard that can run it. But very, very rarely do you have a team with three guys. And that's what the Wolves have now when you look at this team with Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, and Jimmy Butler. And you're going to see how tough that makes them because it's just different for, for forwards and different people to guard pick and roll. And you don't spend – you spend most of your time – game planning for the point guard and pick and roll and it's just difficult for other guys so it just makes it difficult and I sit back and I laugh sometimes when I see this stuff and I, I even laugh, <clears throat> laugh at Zach Doogie because he used to cry every day in my office <laughs> and yeah. now to sit, to sit back and watch how he played before he got hurt <clears throat> you know. and I used to tell him all the time sometimes Zach the players don't see what the coach sees you got to trust your coach and make sure that he's not only just looking out for you, he's looking out for the, for the team and the organization and for himself last. <clears throat> and on Zach, I mean, Chicago is taking a lot of criticism. You know this, that they got ripped off in the Butler trade. Now, no, I, do think, no. I do think the Wolves did fine. Don't get me wrong. I think people across the league, maybe even in Duke, Chicago, are know. underselling Zach. Duke, I think that was a trade. You know, there are rare occasions where both teams do well. Look, the Timberwolves did great by adding. When you add Jimmy Butler to a team with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Gorgie Day and, and, and Tyus, uh, he's getting an opportunity to play with them. I'm so happy for him because he just hung in there. Yeah, great but kid. When you look at what they've added, they, they've done a good job. But I think Zach Levine has a chance to be an all-star one day in this league. It, once he comes back from that knee injury, and there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to come back healthy. 
you think about it. Zach Levine was averaging twenty what twenty points a game. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was right about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and if you looked at how he played in most of their wins, and their wins uh, last season before he was injured, Zach Levine. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was the leading scorer a lot of times. Yeah, I think it was maybe more so Wiggins, but yeah, I mean it was the yeah. three of them were right neck and neck before his yeah. injury. And, and 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 you know there were moments in time where Zach took over, but I just think it was a trade where uh, Chicago and Minnesota both benefited, and I just think in, uh, it's going to take obviously because of the injury to Zach. I think it's going to take a year and a half before people realize that it was a fair trade. Is he a good fit in Fred Hoiberg's offense? You know Fred very well. The way Fred wants to play, is Zach a great fit for Fred? Yeah, Zach could play anyway, man. I mean, think about it. Because he can handle the ball and make decisions, he can handle the ball in pick-and-roll situations, and he also can play in flow. So I, I just think Zach is going to be a, a, a great fit. The thing is, can Chicago, what's going to really determine that trade? Uh, for Chicago, it's not necessarily going to be how Zach Levine turns out. Zach is going to be an outstanding player. A lot of it is going to have to do with what else can Chicago do to put around Zach and get this team pointed back in the right direction. I mean, I suppose they need Chris Dunn to turn out to be a good player or at least a serviceable yes, player plus Laurie Markkinen, right? I mean, that's that's how Chicago can say we did well in this trade if those other two players play well. Yeah, and, you know, do the tough thing about that, normally you get two out of three. Very rarely do you get two out of three. But all three of those young men, I like Markington. I think he has tremendous upside. I think he's very skilled. And, again, the jury is out on Chris Dunn, dude, because I tell people this all the time. The same thing with Jalen Brown. When you go to a team with, with uh, people underestimate Ricky. You know, for all the things you could say negative about Ricky – the thing that you have to put in the plus column is how competitive and how smart he is. And Ricky works on his game. And Ricky has turned himself into a, a decent three-point shooter, enough to where you have to respect him at the end of the game. And you all know he can break guys down and get into the paint and make plays. But Ricky was, it was not just going to roll over and hand that job to Chris Dunn. And so I knew the only way – Chris Dunn was going to get that job was either to be traded or Ricky to be traded. And, you know, they moved them both, but they got Jimmy Butler back in, in, in return. So the Wolves made out pretty good. Do you like Teague more than Rubio? I guess it's really Rubio plus about 4 or $5 million in cap space compared to Teague. Well, I mean, they gave up some cap space in that trade too or that trade off, I, I guess. think they're different. You know what I mean? I just think they're different. And I just think at some point maybe Doogie – they didn't think Ricky was a good enough, consistent enough, let me say that, consistent enough outside shooter to keep the defense honest. Because when you have Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler, who both of those guys can get to the basket and call after towns, you know, the other pieces around them, you want those guys to be pretty good shooters. And Ricky had shot the ball really well, I thought, last year. But, you know, people want to go by how you've done over – a period of years, and maybe they thought that Jeff T could be a little bit more consistent shooter, and maybe they thought, you know, Jeff T could uh, push the ball. But Ricky defensively was as good as it gets at the point guard position in the league. So, again, I wouldn't say that Jeff T is better than Ricky. I would just say he's different.
On Wiggins, and I'll let you go shortly after this, Sam, they will announce maybe as soon as next week that he will sign a five-year, $148 million extension, a max extension. It's just the way the NBA works. You have no choice. I mean, the Wolves don't have a choice there. You can't you can't let him get the restricted free agency. He's 22 years old. You figure there's still more of a ceiling he can hit, so you have to pay him still on potential, hoping that he becomes, you know, as you said, a top 10 player, top 15 player. Maybe he's right now a top 50 player. But how do you how do you look at that? I mean, are you with me that you just you don't have a choice? And Wiggins okay, isn't going uh, for Kyrie, me, right? We can talk about it, but he's not going to Cleveland. He's not going for let, Kyrie. Let, let me tell you something. When the Timberwolves signed Kevin Garnett to one hundred twenty six million dollars, you signed him with a smile on your face. I say I, I would feel the same way about Andrew Wiggins, and I feel the same way about Carl Anthony Towns, and I would have felt the same way about Zach Levine. And I felt the same way about Gorgie Dane. <clears throat> Those guys are excellent basketball players. They haven't reached their ceiling. Look at where Zach Levine comes from in three years. <clears throat> a guy that didn't start on his college team. Mm-hmm. Look where Zach, look with all the criticism now. Think about it, Doogie. All the criticism about Andrew Wiggins. Doesn't have a motor. Don't play hard. Not going to get better. Not can't do this, can't do that. Mm, he averaged 23 points a game. You, at the end of the game, you put him and call him Anthony Towns a pick and roll, he's either scored or he facilitates things for the pass. Look at what Carl Anthony Towns. So when you look at those four young men that I named, each one has gotten better. And then look at their character. Never do I pick up the newspaper and read anything about those four young men. Never have I heard a rumor or anything. What you hear about them, they get, they're getting better. They stay out of trouble. They're good young men. They represent their, fa- their name on the back of their jersey as well as their family name. Those are the type of people that you put a contract in front of them and you thank God that you have those type of young men that play for you on your basketball team. And you sign them, and, and you hope that you can find more of them like them. What do you say, though, Sam, about people that, that wonder about Andrew's work ethic or his motor? I mean, what was he, he like for you? You coached him. What was he like? He went from 16 to 19 to 23. What about the defense? What the, hold up. Now, Doogie, playing defense is, in the NBA is the hardest thing to do. It takes time. It takes time to learn how to be a good team defender in the NBA. Andrew Wiggins, what's gonna, let me tell you what's going to help the Minnesota Timberwolves. I keep hearing Andrew Wiggins. Well, Carl Anthony Towns needs to tighten up his defense, too. Okay? <laughs> Let's just call it like it is. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what's going to help the Minnesota right. Timberwolves defense, period. That why do you think Tom Thibodeau went out and got Jimmy Butler? He went and got a guy that's known for what? Toughness. Mm-hmm. Playing hard. Playing defense. All you need to do is add one guy like Jimmy Butler with that type of reputation and that type of work ethic and brings that attitude and reputation to the table. He will automatically, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, today are better defenders than they ever been at any point, before they even walk on the court. You know why? Because they're going to think about it more, they're going to talk about it more, and when Jimmy Butler talks about it, now when Tom Thibodeau talks about defense, He's got a guy sitting in that locker room that he can turn to, and everybody knows Jimmy Butler's reputation. 
It was the same thing with Kevin Garnett. When Kevin Garnett walked on the floor, you knew you had to play hard. Same thing with Jimmy Butler. That's why they wanted Jimmy Butler, and that's why they gave up, in my estimation, a lot in Zach Levine and then uh, the opportunity of a kid like marketing him. So that's why I think it was a pretty even trade. I mean, I suppose Taj Gibson also helps. Jamal Crawford, just his positive influence. I mean, you're right. This should be a very good team. They should win 50 games, should they not? Tim was our playoff team. Yeah. I don't know how many games. Look, you're in the Western Conference, so <laughs> you, can, you can look. Think about this, Doogie. You got Golden State. Who not, all these changes, and no one still can touch them, I don't think. But you got Golden State. San Antonio, for whatever reason, is going to be San Antonio. You got Houston. But to me, okay, even if they don't add Camelo, if they have Ryan Anderson with the way they play, they're going to win 52 to 55 games. Mm-hmm. Then you got OKC with Westbrook and Paul George. Think mm-hmm. about that. Those two guys. And then you look at, you know, you got Minnesota now. You got Phoenix going to be better. You got, who am I missing? Dude? I mean, I like Denver. I like New Orleans yeah, too, Denver, maybe. Denver, hey, hey, and I really like New Orleans with the addition of Rondo, Ian Clark. And now have you seen DeMarcus Cousins, the kind of shape that he's in? Yeah, he's in great shape. And Duke, he's in a playoff. He's in a contract year. So watch how tough New Orleans. So, again, you can't say they should win 50 games, Duke, because 45 may get you the fourth seed. It's going to be a bloodbath, a dogfight in the Western Conference. They're not going to be in easy games. It's just not. The Western Conference is going to feel happy when they go on their East Coast swings. Okay, I'll leave you with this. What what can be said about continuity? I mean, you think about, heck, somebody like Gorgie, didn't he play for Rick Adelman? So he goes, Adelman into Flip, into you. You did enough different stuff from Flip into Tom. I mean, finally having somebody in place, I guess that was the argument for keeping you around, right? Some continuity well, that look, these players, they're hearing so many yeah, voices. These players are good, man. They are just. And look, other than terminology, Doogie, don't get caught up. There's it, it, only so many things you can do in basketball, Doogie. Look, there's right, only so yeah. many ways to play pick and roll, okay? Certain coaches like it certain ways, other coaches like other ways. But there's only so many ways you can play pick and roll. There's only so many pick and roll offenses you can run. There's only so many things you can do, okay? What makes it all works is if the players buy into it, if, if if they all on the same page, and 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 they play together and play hard and, and and attack this thing the right way, so and when players commit to each other and commit to a style of play and a system, that's when you get good results. And so uh, the players adjust; they're good enough to adjust. So again, I think the Wolves are going to be very good this year, but it's hard to say how many wins they're going to have. I do think they're a playoff team because with the talent, but Dude, you can't say how many wins because the Western Conference, man, think about it. No, it's where, a bear. Where, yeah. is there, where is there an easy win in the Western Conference? There's not. I agree. Maybe Sacramento, although they're better. Maybe Phoenix or the Lakers. You're right, well, though. There Sacramento, isn't. But, but the thing that's going to be scary the about the Kings are better. Like the Lakers is that they're young, they're talented, and they're going to beat some people. You know that, Doogie. You, you know, you're going to win some games. When you're young and got some talent, Brandon Ingram going to be better. We all see how good Lonzo Ball is going to be. So, and, and they still got some other guys, but T 
teams are going to be better, you know, and, and they're going to beat some teams because they're just going to play well. And so I can't wait to the season, Duke, because I think it's just going to be a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue, and I just think it's going to be some great games on a night-in and night-out basis. All right, I'll let you go after this. Back to the coaching point. I mean, are you saying that coaching is overrated? No, what do you mean am I saying coaching overrated? Well, well, I mean, you're saying, hey, there's only so many ways you can you can defend no, the dude, pick and roll. Is this. There's only so many ways you can play pick and roll, okay? There's only so many methods. that You can black it, you can blue it, you can ice it. You know, you can push up and let through. You can trap. It's things of that nature. That's what I'm saying. So the difference in all of it is how you teach it, how much time, attention to detail to it. And players are like anyone else, Duke. They tend to, to get better at the things that you emphasize. And Tom Thibodeau is a defensive-minded coach. He's going to put more emphasis on the defense. Duke, think about something. He went out and got, and got Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. For what reason? Defense and toughness. Thank you. So, Doogie, use your brain. <laughs> if he went out and got those guys, so he's emphasizing what he realized last year was that as good a coach as he is defensively, the Wolves, where did they rank defensively last year? I don't know. They were pretty bad. Okay. Now, hold up now. Is Tom Thibodeau a bad defensive coach? No, he's a really no. good defensive coach. Okay. Yeah. So if Tom Thibodeau is not a bad defensive coach, right? So if, if he's a good defensive coach, you would ask yourself, why were the Wolves not a good defensive team? Let me tell you why. had nothing to do with Tom Thibodeau's ability to coach or inability to coach. has everything to do with young players playing defense in the NBA. That's the hardest thing for them to learn. That's why – when your team makes that next jump, if you can add the right veterans, the right veterans to show these guys and make them pay attention to detail, that's what it does. And when you ask to add Todd Skipson and Jimmy Butler, watch how much better Carl Anthony Towns is defensively. Watch how much better Andrew Wiggins is. I want to go a step further. You're going to now start to hear Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns talk about playing defense mm. just as much as you talk about them, hear them talk about playing offense. That's going to be the transformation because Jimmy Butler and Todd Gibson are going to be talking about defense so much. Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anson Towns are going to start doing the same thing. And that's when you're going to see the Timberwolves defense take off and you're going to see Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anson Towns start playing the type of defense that their athleticism dictates that they can play. Sam, so they should be much. Yeah. They should be better defenders, and they will be. They should be a lot because better. Of the addition of those two guys. I agree. I think they will be a lot better. I don't know if it'll yeah, happen right away. Maybe it's more toward the end of the year, or maybe even in two right years. Right away. What? Okay. I, I tell right. you what. I'll bet you dinner that within the first fifteen games of the season, you're going to say to me, Sam. Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are playing good defense, and I'm going to laugh because they have the talent to do it, Doogie. They just got to have the mindset. That's all. All right. They just got to develop the mindset. All right, you're on. I will bet you dinner on that one. 15 games. Absolutely. 15 games. All right, beautiful. Sam, safe travels. Best of luck with the Virgin Islands, and I'll certainly be in touch. All right, Doogie. Okay, thanks, Sam. Bye. 
Hey guys, this is Manny Hill. And I'm Derek James. We are the Raised by Wolves podcast. You can check us out, of course, at 1500ESPN.com. You can search us on iTunes. And you can check us out, of course, at Podcast One. We talk Timberwolves. We talk music. We'll talk food a little bit once in a while, but uh, mainly talk basketball and, and a little bit of music as well. So check us out. You can find us, of course, iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, the Raised by Wolves podcast. Might be time for me to book Sam Mitchell as an every other week podcast guest. Just make him the one guy, the one guest we have on. I could keep going and going, but I'm trying to make sure this podcast doesn't go much beyond 60 minutes. Just put the quarter in the machine, let him go. Love his analysis. By the way, an update on Jordan Murphy. We talked about Murphy early on with Mitchell. He tried to get Murphy on the Virgin Islands team last year, tried again this year. He was hopeful. Here's the update. Got a text from Murphy's mom. He was hoping to play for the Virgin Islands, but there's a scheduling conflict. The Virgin Islands team will be in Argentina the week he needs to report to campus. So unfortunately, he has to decline the invitation. So no Jordan Murphy for Sam Mitchell's Virgin Islands team. Also on the Wolves, before we get to Alan Anderson, he's a free agent the Wolves have actually inquired about. Scott Layden, Brian Pauga among Wolves front office officials at the Adidas camp where Sam Mitchell was coaching in Houston. On Tuesday morning, they signed Marcus George Hunt, former Georgia Tech star. It's not a two-way contract. I'm told there are certain dates that trigger money. So it's a non-guaranteed deal, but if he's here for X amount of days, he'll get a little bit of money. He certainly looks like a camp body and somebody that can play in Iowa. And if they need an extra wing, he's a guy that's on the cusp. He's certainly on the cusp of being an NBA player. I've long maintained that there are more NBA players than jobs available. Somebody like George Hunt is probably one of those guys. Matt Lloyd, by the way, who's in the Orlando front office, he used to work with Tom Thibodeau in Chicago. Word is he gave a ringing endorsement, or at least some sort of endorsement, to the Wolves on George Hunt. Jerseys later this week will let the Wolves have their day when it comes to their new uniforms. I can finally stop being asked about the new uniforms. We had Glenn Taylor on Scoop Podcast episode 87. So last week he said he's seen them. He said the fans will like them. Also on the Wolves, they're still after veterans for those three open spots. Remember, Tibbs wants to keep the 15th roster spot open, so they have 11 guys under contract right now. They are looking for three more players, so not Mello Tremble. Remember, he signed just a partial guarantee deal. Not George Hunt. Those guys are camp bodies. The guy they signed, the Stanford player, to the two-way contract. He's an Iowa player. They still have a two-way contract to give out. They're still looking, though, for veterans, NBA veterans, for those two wings spots and that point guard spot. Dante Cunningham and Tony Allen are very much on the Wolves' wish list, I hear. But those two guys, I've said this for a long time, those two guys are among a few remaining NBA free agents that can get veteran minimum deals anytime they want. In fact, somebody close to one of those players told me, hey, I know of teams that have 15 guaranteed contracts, whatever it might be, they would cut a player to sign my guy. They would do that. So I can get a veteran minimum contract whenever we want. There's no rush. I think a lot of agents are waiting to see what the Cavs do with Kyrie Irving, what the Knicks do with Carmelo Anthony. Might that free up some roster spots with some teams? 
free up some money. So there is no rush. Now, there are guys that would take the veteran minimum today. Rodney Stuckey would take the veteran minimum with the Wolves. They have not extended an offer. There's been a little bit of dialogue. The Wolves have checked in. There are other guys. Anthony Morrow, I get the sense, would take the veteran minimum from the Wolves today. They have not extended an offer. Ian Clark might have. They had a bunch of back and forth with Clark's representation. The Wolves actually never made an offer to Ian Clark. It looks like New Orleans got a steal. Ian Clark one year, like $1.5, $1.6 million. The Wolves had all this interest but never extended an offer. Why be so patient? If you have an interest in a guy, why not extend the offer? But they never did on Ian Clark. Not quite sure I mentioned this on podcast episode 83, 84, 85. 86 or 87, but Brandon Paul, former Illinois star, the Wolves actually had a bunch of interest in him. In fact, they came close to signing him before he chose the San Antonio Spurs. He's a shooter. He was a guy they had all sorts of interest in. Brandon Paul, I think I forgot to mention that. Bill Duffy, who represents Andrew Wiggins, was finalizing travel plans to come to the Twin Cities. He was finalizing those plans earlier on Tuesday, the 8th of August. He's expected in town as soon as next week. Those negotiations, although they're not really negotiations, as Glenn Taylor told us last week, but the back and forth with Andrew Wiggins on the five-year $148 million extension or however you want to classify it, I guess second contract, those talks will happen in person at some point in the relatively near future. There's still zero doubt that the deal will get done. The deadline isn't until October. The Wolves are obviously pushing for a straight five years. I have not heard from the Wiggins camp that they're looking for any sort of opt-out. I still will be surprised if it's not a straight five-year, $148 million deal. And because I've been asked so many times, a poison pill pretty much comes into play until July of 2018. The Wolves could trade Wiggins immediately after signing him to the extension, going back to the Kyrie Irving rumors. But it would be awfully difficult. Bottom line, once Wiggins signs the extension, although right now Wiggins isn't on the table, so it's not like they're willing to offer Wiggins right now. But once he signs the extension, any sort of Wiggins-Irving trade is highly, highly, highly unlikely. That's why I got into it a little bit with Sam Mitchell. He would do the deal. He would move Wiggins in a package for Kyrie Irving, but I just think it's a moot point. I do think Kyrie Irving gets moved. I still say Phoenix is the favorite. Phoenix is the team to watch from people I've talked to. All right, Alan Anderson, Minneapolis native, former DeLaSalle High School star, former Michigan State star. He's been around for a while, 34 years old. He held his first basketball camp last week at DeLaSalle High School. I was there. The kids just gravitated toward him. He had a great time. It looked like everybody just had a blast. Kudos to Alan Anderson for hosting his first basketball camp the first of many, I presume. Anyway, I talked to Allen at the camp. He's a guy, I'm sure, if the Wolves extended the offer today, veteran minimum, he only played 30 games last year for Doc Rivers and the Clippers for whatever reason. He was stuck on the bench. So I'm sure if the Wolves extended the veteran minimum offer to Allen Anderson today, he would accept they have not made that offer. The word is the Knicks have checked in, the Nets have checked in, the Thunder have checked in, the Raptors have checked in. And the Wolves have checked in, but there is no movement on Allen's front. Anyway, I caught up with Allen a little bit on his camp, a little bit on his situation, and a little bit on Jamal Crawford, who he got to know really, really well last year with the Clippers. Here's my conversation with Allen Anderson. Allen, speaking of bonding with your mom, she said she remembers back like 1990, you went to the Pooh Richardson camp. (laughs) 
As you're doing your first camp, uh -huh. do you think about what these kids are experiencing and going back to your days when you were at the Pooh Richardson camp? Yeah, um, time flies when you're having fun, man. Uh, like I said, I, that that while ago was, was a long time, but I mean, I remember the camps and all the fundamentals and the fun and the kids and the friendships that you created and all of that. So, you know, as, as I run my own camp, I just wanted to have the same type of environment, atmosphere, so kids can have some fun, but still learning, but still, you know, getting after it also. Did you think for a while that you wanted to do your own camp? How did this one come together? Uh, definitely want, always want to do my own camp. It's just, you know, the time it had to be right, um, you know, with me playing different teams and, you know, not knowing where I'm going to be at and just had to make sure the time was right. I mean, the key, though, is you're doing it now. I mean, do you see just the looks on the kids' faces when they see you walk into the gym? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's priceless, man. I mean, because I used to be one of those kids, you know what I mean, looking up to guys that made it out of from my city and coming back to give back. So it's like, you know, it's to be able to reach out and touch, you know, an actual person that's been in your position. It's, it's, uh, it's a great feeling. Speaking of being a kid and, and growing up, have you had a time to ever reflect on your journey? You think about going undrafted, D-League, overseas now being a fixture in the NBA you know this there's a lot of guys who go undrafted they don't get to play when they're your age have you ever had a chance to reflect on your amazing journey um like I said I'm still in the journey so it's I, I haven't really sat down and just and 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 really looked at it and enjoyed it as much as I, I should but I know it's been amazing it's been a blessing it's been a it's been a dream you know what I mean to travel the world the way I have traveled and and to be still playing the game that I've been, you know, loving the places I was little, it's, it's great. So I haven't really, you know, like I said, reflected on it as much as I will when I'm done, but it's definitely been an amazing journey. 34, I mean, you're not an old guy, but in basketball terms, basketball you're a little bit. How much, how much longer can you go? I can help out a team for another three or four years. I mean, I'm, I'm healthy as I can be. Um, I'm feeling good, keep my body in shape, eat good, sleep good, and life is great, so. <clears throat> I don't have really no worries, so I'm, I'm blessed. Are you in the boat now, just waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for a team to make you an offer? Just talking to different teams um, and just trying to get a feel for them. They're trying to get a feel for me and trying to pick the right you know, position for me. But, I mean, you think about it. I mean, the wing position, you can guard multiple positions. Yeah. I mean, your flexibility, though, is in demand, right? I mean, there's a lot of point guards in the league. Yeah. There's enough big men. But what you can do on the court, I would think there's enough teams that have some interest. I would think so also. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not a star, but I'm a really good role player. You know what I mean? I know my role. Um, I can bring a lot of things to the table. I can knock down open shots. I can defend. I can guard multiple positions. I can handle the ball. I can rebound. Uh, and I've shown that. You know what I mean? So, uh, like I said, I'm just waiting. Keep my game fresh. Keep staying ready so I never got to get ready. And uh, it's out of my hands right now as long as I know I'm doing everything I can. Back to the camp. Doing it here at De La Salle, mm -hmm. where you really blossomed into a big-time basketball player, how much does that mean to you? It means everything because it's where everything started at. You know, I didn't, uh, my future, I started looking more into my future when I got here. You know what I mean? So this is where everything started, and now I'm coming right back to where it started. It's just a good, refreshing feeling. You played for a lot of coaches. Did you play for Dave Thorson? Yeah. Okay, so you played for Dave Thorson. You played for Tom Izzo. Yeah. Think about all the coaches overseas, yeah. all your NBA coaches. Yeah. Who's the coach that's had the biggest influence on you? Thorson and Izzo. I'll say Thorson because he was kind of like a Izzo before I got to Izzo. You know what I mean? So he prepared me for everything that I was going to go through with Izzo. And even though I was only here two years, it was like uh, I already knew what to expect. You know what I mean? So 
he jump-started me, you know what I mean? And Izzo just, just expanded that and just showed me how to um, just fight through adversity, you know, getting through not only just basketball, but just life also, you know what I mean? So those two guys started me for sure. How about some of the NBA influences? I mean, whether it's a Doc Rivers or Dwayne Casey? Uh, I haven't been, as long as I've been on the team, it's two years. And so, and, and the NBA is a lot different than high school and college. Uh, I think high school and college is a lot more hands-on, personal with the players. And NBA, you know, it's, it's the NBA. So uh, I learned a lot with all my coaches. Uh, I just pick out different things from different coaches, um, but all the coaches have been great. There's a team that plays about five minutes from here that needs some wing depth. Yeah. Have you thought about that, playing for the Timberwolves? Yeah, who wouldn't think about playing at home, man? You know what I mean? I grew up, like you said, Pooh Richardson and all that. They was here, Kevin Garnett. Uh, all those guys was here and grew up watching, and I'm from the inner city too, so uh, who wouldn't think about playing at home? So definitely, that was definitely one of the teams I'm talking with, and we'll see how that goes. Speaking of the inner city, I mean, there's a there's a heavy Minnesota NBA influence when you think about Tyus Jones yeah. and Mike Muscala, yeah. Cole Aldrich, Chris Humphreys, Rashad Vaughn, now his mom lives in North Minneapolis, but dad lives in Golden Valley, he went to Robbinsdale Cooper. Are you the only inner city NBA player right now? Minneapolis inner city? Uh, yeah. Yeah, from Minneapolis, yeah, I think I am. From, from the actual inner city. Yeah, now as you say that, yeah. So what does that mean to you? I mean, everything that you've had to overcome in life to get to this point. I mean, you already see not too many guys come out the inner city, so to be one of the guys that can be at home to play, you know what I mean, that'd be amazing for just the kids here. You know what I mean? Because it's reachable. You know, you want to, with your dreams, you want to see as a way to reach it. And with me being here, this being through, you know, same ground and concrete that other kids been on, it's, it's accessible. You can see it. It's re you know what I mean? So I think it's great. I'll leave you with this. Did you get to know Jamal Crawford? Yeah. Well, last year, I mean, he's about the most likable guy on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you think of him coming to Minnesota? It's going to be a big lift for him. I know JC really well. Not before I just played with him, Clippers, but just, you know, previous years, just playing with mutual friends. Great person, great player, and he's going to bring some electricity off that bench. You know what I mean? I would love to join him because I think we make a good tandem. He's scoring. I'm defending and scoring. That would be, but like I said, it's out of my hands. Are you blowing up his phone saying, hey, can you talk to Tibbs? Can you, no, can you put a good word in for me? I tell him to tell him congratulations, man. That's his time, so I'll wait for my time. We will get to Gable Stevenson of Apple Valley High School, the best high school wrestler in the country, in just a bit. Plus, I'll empty out my notebook with a bunch of miscellaneous notes, a Vikings note or two, some Gophers football, whatever else I have jotted down. But when it comes to the Twins, I had a chance on Monday to catch up with Chief Baseball Officer Derek Falvey. We touched on a number of topics. So let's get to Derek Falvey right now. Then I have a Twins note or two after Falvey. Derek, as we're at, what, the 109-game mark, how would you evaluate it? I mean, a lot of us look at the run differential and say, ooh, but then I look at your record in one-run games. You're three and a half games back in the wild card. Granted, you need to jump, what, five teams. But how do you evaluate these first 109 games? Well, I think you talked about run differential, and I think it's one piece of, of the puzzle that you, know, you can learn a little bit from. But I will say this, that our guys have every night gone out and competed through the ninth inning. And that's a, that's a testament to the group that's in there, and that's the players. And ultimately, we played, we played really good defense. I think that was a focus of our, our club going into spring training, and they've carried that forward. Our offense has, has, by and large, played pretty well. We've had some stretches where it hasn't gone as well, and then our pitching is, has taken a step forward. So. Uh, our goal this year was to come in and take that meaningful step, and we feel like our guys are, are, are doing that right now. 
was the goal also to get a look at a number of pitchers. I mean, have you used 12 different starting pitchers? There's been a lot of pitchers up here. There's been a ton of pitchers at AAA. I mean, I believe the two guys you just promoted will be like, what, pitchers 36 and 37 at AAA? I, I think our commitment has always been that we're going to find the best guys who can who can fit us moving forward. And in doing so, sometimes there's some change. And, and ultimately, our goal was to work through and figure out which guys will fit us, not just for this year, but in subsequent seasons. So we want to push our guys. We want to see which guys fit for us. And we feel we've done that. Some guys have taken a nice step forward. The decision to sell a couple assets. What was the dialogue like with the leadership group in that clubhouse? You know there were some guys upset, even though a lot of us understand why you did what you did. In that clubhouse, that's not necessarily the case. What was that dialogue like with the leadership group? You know, I've talked to our players, and you want those guys to go out and compete every night. There, there's no no one gives up in that clubhouse, and I, I love that. So ultimately, my job and Thad's job sometimes is to take a little bit of a longer-term look at different junctures, and we felt like when we made the trade for Garcia, we were in a position uh, that was a little bit different, you know, the five to seven days later. And ultimately, uh, our guys are, are great. They're professional. They go out and play every night. So I'm confident that our relationship is strong and that uh, they're going to compete every night and put themselves in the best position to win. How about a message to the fans? There are fans that are upset with you saying, why? Why not just keep those guys? We saw bad baseball last year. We saw bad baseball in, what, 11, 12, 13, 14. Why do this? What do you tell those fans? Our goal here has has been stated from the beginning to build a sustainable championship caliber team. And the goal there uh, is not just to win a couple more games than last year. The goal is to build a championship caliber team that's competing every fall for that pennant and ultimately for a World Series. And so we felt that those decisions at that moment in time give us the best chance to build that kind of long-term club. And I'm, I'm confident that we're on the path to that. But it may take some steps that uh, sometimes don't uh, aren't short-sighted, aren't just for this year. And I'm confident we're doing the right thing for the long term. What were those days like leading up to the deadline? I mean, did you have Vern here? Did you have Mike here, Thad? But ultimately, this is your first trade deadline as, as the final say guy. What was it like? It was, uh, it, I've sat in rooms, you know, in the past where we've had to sell some players from our major league team. I've certainly been in rooms where we've added some meaningful pieces for a fall run. Uh, this year, it was all the guys, the guys you just mentioned, among a number of others who were part of our conversations. Uh, certainly always, each and every day, dissecting potential opportunities. I can tell you that up until about 2 o'clock every morning, you know, it was buzzing or ringing with text messages and phone calls. But uh, it's an exciting time of year for any club because you're, you're trying to make the best decisions you can to put your organization in a position to be successful and we feel we were able to do that this year when you look at the standings are you wanting to say okay three and a half that's attainable or is it well three and a half but you need to jump five teams or in the division six well maybe but then you need to jump two teams I mean do you look at it like okay that's just too many teams to jump or that, hey, maybe something special could happen these last 50-something games? You know, I, the way I always view it is you control what you can control, which is win that game tonight on, on the field for your club. You can't control what the other teams do, win or loss, and, and you really can't pay too much attention to it. So what we do is we try and put the best resources in front of our players every night to give themselves a chance to win. Uh, that's our commitment. Regardless of decisions we make at the deadline or otherwise, we're going to be competitive all the way through. And so we'll see where everything shakes out at the end of the year. I know this group in here is motivated and they're going to continue to play good baseball through the end of the season. The changes in the front office, letting go some area scouts, Jack, even going back to Bill Smith, I suppose. Is it just inevitable when a new regime comes in that there's going to be change? I, we've we've approached this where we look at everybody in our organization as uh, someone that's part of the Minnesota Twins family. And, and certainly when uh, we've gone through this process of evaluation to figure out where we need to add capabilities that we don't presently have uh, within these walls, we have to make some tough decisions. But our goal and our commitment to the Polad family and to the Twins organization and ultimately to the fans here 
here is to build the best possible team we can on and off the field. And so when we make those decisions, they're, they're never taken lightly, but I'm confident they're the right ones for the future. Speaking of right ones for the future, longtime fixtures, Rob Antony, Mike Radcliffe, they'll remain in place? Yeah, those guys have been critical to what we've done so far uh, and continue to help us moving forward. So I'm excited about their, their future here with the Twins. I mean, in particular, Mike, I mean, he's got contacts across the world. I mean, did you realize, I mean, maybe you knew the name from, from being in the game in Cleveland, but just realizing all his contacts, I mean, I would think he's, he's invaluable. Mike Radcliffe is one of the hardest working, most connected people in this game, uh, and yet he's probably the most humble. And so I think that just speaks to who he is, his character, and uh, why he's been a part of the Twins organization for as long as he has. Um, I'm excited to learn from him each and every day. I know I have. A couple more points, and then I'll let you go. Glenn Perkins, is it just a, a wait and see, or is there a plan? Okay, if this week goes well, Chattanooga, will he then go to Rochester? How, how will that play out? Yeah, Glenn, we've talked about this all along, that it, you, you can sometimes get yourself in trouble by putting a specific date on a player's return. Injuries are difficult to come back from. Sometimes you have setbacks. I think what we've communicated to Glenn and, and what Glenn has said is that he wants to make sure that he's ready to help this team when he comes back. So getting a bit of an extended outing at a higher level, getting a back-to-back -back, you know, under his belt to see how that goes, those are going to be critical steps for him to ensure that he's in a place to help the Twins team here on the field. And I'm confident he's on a, on a good path now. He feels really good. You anticipate being busy here on the trade front in August? I mean, every year we see a lot of August trades. Do you anticipate being a part of an August trade? We are monitoring trade waivers every day. So I would say if there's a match that, we've, that we find, we'll continue to put claims in and, and have our players go through and make some difficult decisions along the way. But if there's the right opportunity for us to, to improve the Minnesota Twins, either now or in the future, we'll find it. What can be said about ownership when, when the poll had say, yeah, we'll take on the four and a half million or we'll eat this money, we'll send this money out. I mean, you were able to acquire some pretty good arms minor league arms, but pretty good arms, right, because of the commitment from ownership? Absolutely. I think that's critical. I, when you have support of ownership to do something like the trade that we did with New York, it makes your baseball operation you know, work more smoothly and better. And I can tell you that Jim Polad and the Polad family is fully supportive of the direction that, that Thad and I want to go. And that was just one good example of how much they support this team. Maybe with the sector, Santiago, is there a plan? I mean, one more start at AAA, then... Come back here, six-man rotation. What What is the plan, I guess? Well, and, and not unlike Glenn, I think, when you go into a rehab protocol, you want to make sure when a guy comes back that there's no there's no setbacks. And in Hector's case, he had a nice start the other night, but that was the first start he really had gotten extended in terms of pitch totals uh, you know, for the, for, the, uh, for the last couple of months. So we want to make sure that he goes through one more rehab start. Let's see how he bounces back. Let's see how he feels. And then we'll make decisions moving out of that, that next start. Falvey did not communicate this, but the buzz I get from others in the Twins organization is they hope that Hector Santiago comes back, that they can trade him before the month is over. That was always the idea. You know, if they weren't competing, that they could have traded Santiago in July, but he wasn't healthy, not necessarily pitching well either when he was healthy. But if he can string together a good start or two by August 31st, move him. Also, Matt Belial with a couple saves this week. Do not be surprised. Now, his contract is minimal. So one team might claim him. Then you have to only negotiate with that one team. So that makes it difficult. But certainly Matt Belial is a name to watch this month on the trade front. One other Twins note, General Manager Thad Levine is spending some time early this week with the Cedar Rapids team, the low Class A team, the Cedar Rapids Club. You think about all the great heavyweight wrestlers in Gophers history or recent Gophers history, right? Tony Nelson, Cole Conrad, Brock Lesnar. I'm sure I'm leaving off a name or two, but 
Gable Stevenson of Apple Valley has a chance to eclipse all those guys. He has a chance to win multiple national championships. Now, some of those guys have done that, but maybe he wins three. Maybe he wins four. He is considered the best wrestler in the country in the class of 2018. Heck, all high school classes. Any kid that's a high school wrestler in the country, nobody is ranked ahead of Gable Stevenson of Apple Valley High School. Three-time state champion as a heavyweight, three-time world champion. One of his three world titles came last week in Finland. So I caught up with Gable recently to review what took place in Finland, him winning yet another gold medal on the national stage, the world stage, and what lies ahead. Here is my conversation with Gable Stevenson. Gable, I mean, you think about wrestling in front of thousands of people at the Exo Energy Center, winning state championships, but wrestling in Finland with USA across your chest, representing the country, does anything top that? Um, nothing really tops um, wearing USA and winning a team title and junior world title with your buddies. But being at the state tournament is like the best thing for a high school student. But I have my goals are set real high, and I'm just gonna keep winning and just keep doing what I love. When you say your goals are set real high, was that your goal? I mean, all along, hey, I'm gonna go to Finland and I am going to win. Yeah, that was one of my goals, but it just keeps getting bigger from there. I got to go back and win next year and hopefully get on the Olympic team in 2020. What was it like going over to Finland? I mean, I would think just the build-up to it and then getting over there. It had to be eye-opening. Yeah, it was real eye-opening just to see a new country. I've seen a couple countries before, but going to Finland, it was just real, it was real modern like how it is here. And just, I was just happy to be there. I mean, what was it like, the competition? I mean, you're wrestling, you know, kids your age from all across the world. I mean, did you beat somebody from Iran for, for the championship? Yeah, I beat um, Russia, Iran, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan on my way to gold. So it was real tough, but I conquered through it and I won. I mean, how difficult was it? I mean, you wrestle against some really good wrestlers here in Minnesota. You've wrestled against some really good wrestlers here in the United States. But to bring it up to that level, you know, worldwide, what was that like? It's real tough. Just you got to make sure you're on point. You got to make sure you're ready. I've been training real long for this, so I went out there and I was ready to go. So just it's just all about being ready and being prepared. And did I read that your win put the U.S. over the top? Like without your win, the U.S. doesn't win at all. So your win put it over the top? Yeah, so it was 68 to 67. So if I would have lost, we would have lost the team title. And that was our first like world title in I think it was 30 plus years. So if I would have lost, we would have lost. So I had to clinch it for the team and all the coaches were happy. And our, our, one of the head coaches on the team, he was, the last, he was on the 1984 team. So he was the last team to win it. So he was real happy and he took us out to dinner after. And it was just real, real exciting for us. What was that celebration like on the mat after you win? Was it just jubilation? It's just like you're wrestling, you're all tensed up, and you got to get your points. But after I won, I just let it out. And I, was, I think I screamed, let's go. I don't even remember. But I just gave a little, gave a little flex and just had to let everything out because it's just like I put so much time into it, and it was just real fun to do what I do. When did you know you were really good at wrestling? Was it seven years old, eight years old, nine years old? somewhere in the last three or four years when you're winning state championships? Well, I used to, learn, I used to win a lot of national tournaments when I was younger, but when I, probably when I started realizing I was good was probably when I came here, actually. It's kind of like, because seventh and eighth grade could wrestle high school, and I kind of got to like see who I am, and like I can test myself. And I made the, I made the, the lineup my eighth grade year, so that's when I kind of started figuring out, yeah, I could be real good. I won't admit I'm any sort of expert when it comes to wrestling. Can you explain to me, to us, to our audience, what makes you so good? Just, I'm always in the room, I'm always working, whether it's in the weight room, I'm running outside, I'm running on treadmill, just, 
it's just just work, hard work and dedication. That's what make you better. Then how about on the mat? I mean, from a tactician standpoint, I mean, do you study your opponent a lot? Are you just ahead of the game mentally, physically, just the total package? Just yeah. Sometimes I study my opponent, but when you go overseas, you, there's really no film on them because sometimes overseas they don't got we, what we got. So. I study my opponent sometimes, most of the time actually, and just like my technicians get me better and they, they study my opponents too, so I know what to do when I go see them. What was the medal ceremony like? I mean, do you stand up on the top there and they give you the medal and, and the national anthem plays? Yeah, that's that's probably the best thing, sis. When you get on the top of the podium and you, you actually, you know you won during the match, but like that, that just like sets the bar right there. And so when they give you that medal and they gave me the belt, just like, that's a great feeling for me. And the national anthem plays? Oh, yeah, national anthem plays. I mean, are you just on cloud nine at that point when that national anthem's playing and you've got the belt, you've got the medal? I mean, there can't be anything better than that. No, it's nothing better. That's, that's the best right there. I mean, is that something that, you know, I mean, that's a lifelong memory, right? I mean, that's something you'll be thinking about and talking about forever. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about that forever. Probably when I'm older, if I have kids or something, I'll tell them. <laughs> and maybe they'll see it because maybe if they wrestle, they'll probably get the same thing. What's it been like since you've been back stateside? I mean, coaches, friends, a lot of people in the wrestling community just blowing up your phone, wishing you congratulations. Yeah, uh, my coaches here wish me congratulations. Just a lot of like tweets been sent out, Instagrams, and it's just like it's it's cool to see all the supporters that I got and all the fans I have. It's like around the country because a lot a lot of kids out of country like Iran, they call me like their hero now, and it's just like it's cool to see like everyone who like sends me a DM or sends me like a Twitter notification. So it's real nice to see that everyone shows love. People call you hero. I mean, yeah. can you put that into words when, when kids younger than you are saying, okay, Gable, you're, you're my hero? It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put it in words. Like, when a kid calls me, like, the hero, that, like, kids come up to me and, like, take pictures, want me to sign their shirt. It is like, you, it's like an in-the-moment thing. You can't really describe it. You just got just to gotta do it. What kind of weight was lifted off, off your shoulders when you made the announcement that, that you'll be a go for going back to March? I mean, every college program in the country wanted you. You know, now that the recruiting is, is done and over with, is just this giant weight lifted off your shoulders? Yeah, after I committed to Minnesota, just like, I just felt like elevated. I was held down for a while. And it's just like, it's just stressful. Like, college commitments are stressful. And when I committed to Minnesota, just, it just kind of like uplifted me. Because I knew I wanted to be there. All my friends are there. My brother's there. My, my family right at home. So it's just, it fit in well. Did I see right? Did your brother also wrestle over in Finland? No, he was coaching me. He came on coach. So Okay, so I mean, what was that experience like then, just to have that support there? And then Mark Hall, somebody you know well, he did wrestle, right? Well, it was good to have Bobby there. He knew, he knew how I wrestle. He knows what I want to do. And he'd like, every match, he would tell me what to do. Because in a couple matches, I just like started slacking a little bit. But you can't slack. So like one second, you might slack, you could get taken down. And just having Mark on the team was real good. I think we're the first ever high school teammates to win a world championship together. So... It's all playing out. It's all, it's all well. Speaking of Apple Valley, I mean, have you thought about you have Trey Jones in your class, number one point guard in the country. You're the best wrestler in the country. Like how many high schools can say that they have two athletes of your caliber? Have you ever thought about that? No, I haven't really thought about it, but I know Trey. I don't think he's number one overall player, but I think he should be the number one, number one overall player. But I haven't really thought about other schools having that. This might be like a rare school that, that has that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think. You're right, he's not the number one player, but he might be the number one point guard. Like, Duke wants him, and all these schools want him. And then there's not a better wrestler in the country. I'm sure you're biased, but there's not a better wrestler in the country. 
it's just rare for a South Metro Minneapolis school, you know, Minneapolis area school to have athletes of your caliber. It's real rare, but me and Trey, we put in a lot of work. We're just, it's either he's on the court, I go to the court and play with him, or I'm up here doing my work. It's just, it's consistent. We just never slack. Does the grind just continue? I mean, heck, another state championship in March and another individual championship? Yeah, the grind never stops. We just keep going. Summer, like, I'm probably on a little break right now just because I've been on the mat a lot and just won, that, won my world title. But we'll probably take a little time off, then get right back to it. But team-wise, I mean, I should have said, you know, another team state championship. Team-wise, you feel like the team will, will come together, like, always very well? Yeah, our team's ready to go. We're always ready. We may lose, like, first duel, but when we come back to section time, we're ready to go. Really, really good kid. Had a chance to meet mom as well. Very nice woman. His older brother wrestles for the Gophers, so that certainly played a part in him committing to the Gophers, although I know he likes Brandon Eggum a whole lot, plus the Gophers wrestling team is getting all sorts of new bells and whistles with the Athletes Village. Unfortunately, an older brother, the oldest of the boys, passed away a few years ago. But Gable Stevenson, his future is incredibly bright on the mat, and I have a feeling it's incredibly bright off the mat as well. On Trey Jones, Duke still looks like the front runner, but hey, the Gophers are trying. They're trying real hard. I was asked on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon, do I have the date when Trey will commit? I imagine sometime in the next three to eight weeks, but no, I don't have a specific date for when Trey Jones will announce his college choice. Also on the college recruiting front, Matthew Hurt, 2019 forward from Rochester, John Marshall, one of the best players in the country. In the class of 2019, top five, top ten. Heck, he looks like he's a future NBA player. He will take unofficial visits in the next few weeks to UCLA, Indiana, Louisville, and Kentucky. Certainly the Gophers are sitting okay, depending on how the year, I guess, goes for Michael Hurt, who's overseas playing for one of the U.S. teams. But if Michael plays, and he should, I mean, he's one of the team's best shooters. If he plays, if Richard Patino continues to use Michael Hurt, I would think that has a positive influence on Matthew Hurt you know, the possibility of playing with his brother for the Gophers. But in the meantime, he needs to see all these schools. Every school in the country wants him. You go check them out. You talk to their coaches. So I guess it remains to be seen what takes place with Matthew Hurt and the Gophers. More love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery. Online, vinepark.com. On Twitter, at vine underscore park underscore brew. They are in St. Paul, right between 35E and downtown St. Paul on West 7th Street. You cannot miss them. The Twin Cities, as we know, is becoming a craft beer haven. But why don't you see how your brewing chops stack up by swinging in to Vine Park Brewing? They are the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine. You brew your own beer or wine, you take it home in 22-ounce bottles, It's perfect for gifts, perfect for sharing. You can make custom labels. It's perfect for parties, corporate events. They have all sorts of flavors, pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, and wheats. I promise they have the right recipe for you. I took home a growler a couple weeks ago, ran into the store. Well, didn't literally run into the store. We taped a portion of one of the Scoop podcasts in the last few weeks, Andy Carlson and me. I took home a growler. I know Andy took home a growler as well. We love their beer. Maybe we're biased, but we love their beer. Love their root beer as well. It was popular in the Channel 5 newsroom. I had a couple bottles then shared with a few of the news producers. They all said, oh, that is really good root beer. So check them out, vinepark.com or the phone number 651 
228-1355. Vine Park Brewery Show, the Scoop Podcast sponsor. Some love. Some other notes, the PJ Flex Show on ESPNU. It's four episodes. The first episode locally did a .6 in the ratings, which isn't that good. That's about 10,000 households. But let me lay out some reasons why it's better than you think. First off, a lot of people don't have ESPNU. That's a second tier or third tier on many people's cable plans or satellite dish plans. I know people who have ESPN, Fox Sports North, NHL Network, maybe not NHL, but NFL Network, maybe MLB Network, but they don't have ESPNU. So keep that in mind. A lot of people do not have ESPNU. Also, from 730 to 745, ESPNU in the Twin Cities did a zero rating, 0.0. It did not register. Then from 745 to 8, it did a 0.2. Then from 8 to 815, it did a 0.5. That is a big jump. Then from 815 to 830, it did a 0.6. Overall, did a 0.6. So when you start from nothing and you get to a 0.6, about 10,000, 10,400 households, that is pretty good. So good numbers, at least from my standpoint. There's a million ways to analyze TV ratings. But from my standpoint, the first episode of the PJ Flex Show did well here in the Twin Cities. On PJ's team, I hear it's pretty neck and neck that Demry Croft maybe has a slight edge. I'll continue to say, I've been saying it since March, that I think Connor Rhoda ends up winning the job. I may end up being wrong. Demry Croft had a good spring. He throws a very pretty ball. Throws an incredibly pretty ball. You know, but they're going back and forth. Rhoda took the first team snaps in Tuesday's practice. It's a constant back and forth. I don't know if they are close, at least publicly, to naming the starter. But I would say internally, the slight edge right now goes to Demry Croft. But I can't back off from my prediction from March that it'll be Connor Rhoda. So I will stick with Connor Rhoda, but don't be surprised, I guess, if I'm wrong on that, if it ends up being Demry Croft. It will be one of those two. It will not be Seth Green. Be sure to check my Twitter account, DWolfs on KSTP. I'll chase an injury update on Antoine Winfield Jr. He had to leave Tuesday's Gophers practice early with a hamstring injury. Really good defensive back. On the Vikings, you know what? I don't have a ton on the Vikings. I can tell you there's no momentum on an Anthony Barr extension. Now that the Linval joseph deal is done, Xavier Rhodes is done, and Everson Griffin is done, my sense is they are done for a while. No momentum on a Sam Bradford extension, and they cannot extend Eric Kendricks or Daniil Hunter right now. Certainly those two guys are a big part of the Vikings' future, but the rules state they can't be extended until they play their third year. So that's something that they would attack this time next year. So nothing on Kendricks. Nothing on Hunter, no momentum on Anthony Barr, and I'm telling you no sense that anything is happening, no traction on any sort of Sam Bradford extension. I have a couple other generic Vikings notes, but I can save those for next week. We can watch how they do on Thursday night in Buffalo, then evaluate from there. Thank you, everyone. That does it for Scoop Podcast, episode number 88. Thanks for tolerating us for almost 70 minutes. We will be back at some point next week.